Right, hello and welcome to the Villa on Tour podcast with myself, Max Stokes and Simon Lyons. Simon, we'll get straight into it, mate. I've got myself a cup of tea. Is this going to be a therapy session or, I'm not going to lie, I'm probably just going to make myself angry again after what happened against Stevenage. But anyway, how are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I, I reckon I reckon we're just going to wind ourselves up again, to be honest. I mean, I've just felt irritated all day, by it, if I'm being honest. And so... Yeah, it might be a bit of therapy or it might just make me even more annoyed. I'm not sure. I'm in a stinking mood. I'm not happy. Um, but yeah, we were saying in the previous pods how much we love the FA Cup. And it, we, I just said, it was we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot, aren't we? And look what happened. Still raging, not happy. Same old Aston Villa. Um, but we'll get into it then. Please do subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever you are listening to this podcast on. Leave some reviews if you do go on to enjoy the show. Um, the feedback on the first two podcasts we've done has been really, really good. Um, I can see stats about who's listening to it and where people are listening to it as well. People are listening to this show all around the world, which is absolutely mad. Big shout out to you, wherever you're listening from, whatever time of the day. I hope you're good. Um, but yeah, really enjoying doing this podcast. Thank you for the support on this. Share it around. Tell your mates that we're doing a podcast. Let's get the word out there. But coming up in the show, we will dissect what happened against Stevenage on that dismal Sunday afternoon at Villa Park. The talking points around it, the atmosphere at Villa Park. Uh, Villa's never-changing attitude towards the Cup, the FA Cup, the League Cup, whatever it is, whether it's a mentality issue, who's to blame. A couple of transfer uh, talking points, a couple of things look like they might be close players coming in to Aston Villa, so we'll talk about that. And towards the end of the show, there is a little bit of a quiz, so I think we'll end on a high note. I've got a quiz for you, so a couple of questions people at home can get involved in that as well. But let's get straight into it, Stevenage. Like we said, mate. I'm still livid, I am. I think it was totally unprofessional. I think it, we were complacent. We were arrogant. What? Where do you start? The team news, I think it, it, it was strong, but there was still eight changes. And I don't understand the whole goalkeeper change thing. I said in the previous podcast that I'd start Martinez. Get him up to speed. I, I don't understand why you change it. But the team... What did you make of it? We saw it. Um, we saw in the video. We were in New Street when it came out. Saw Sanson starting, both the centre backs changing. What did you make of it? Do you know what I said? I, I mentioned to you a couple of times last week about how um, I don't. I didn't think Stevenage were mugs. I thought that you know, obviously that they've been in good form there in the top two in, in in League Two. And I think there's a weird stat that Stevenage have scored in every game that they've played in this season. Um, and that they're I don't know they're unbeaten in six or seven or eight games or something like that. And so. Even though they're a League Two opposition and we expected to beat them, I still felt like it was a little bit of a banana skin. And so for me, yeah, you look at the team on paper and you think it's easily good enough to beat Stevenage, of course, it is, even with the eight changes. But then I question was it really necessary to make eight changes? Were the players that tired? I mean, they've had, I mean, most of our players have had a good month and a half off, if not more than that, because of the World Cup. Um, we've changed the goalkeeper again, even though Martins has only been back for one game. And it's this. I always have to question, like, why do we have to have a cup goalkeeper? Like, do, do we really need to have a cup goalkeeper? I mean, why why does a goalkeeper need a rest? Um, so that was number one for me. The keeper thing, I just didn't understand. Um, and then when you run through the other bits of the team, it was just that we were playing, obviously, players that haven't really kicked a ball much this season, haven't played a lot of football. So we were bound to be, be a little bit disjointed as well through the park, which we were. And then there was just a lack of leaders as well. Obviously, if you're not playing Martinez, you're not playing Mings or McGinn or... Ashley Young from the beginning, who's your leader? And I, and I mentioned it on the video, didn't I, that old Dannings is the captain. I was surprised by that because he's not a leader, is he? And he's not captain material. Um, and so, look, the, we should still have won with the team we had out there. But 
I'm not surprised that the, the performance was disjointed. And then obviously you come up with a, a team against Stevenage who they probably haven't changed that side for 10, 12 games, sort of thing, apart from the odd change. And so even though they won't have the level of quality that Villa should have, they were always going to have that little bit of togetherness. They were going to have, you know, that organisation, which has seen them towards the top of League Two as well. And so I did think it was a bit of a banana skin. I didn't think it would end up how it did probably, but I did feel like it was going to be a tough game for Villa. And it proved that, and I'm not sure that I'm not sure that Emery got it quite right with the team. And that's not just a direct criticism of Emery. I think managers throughout the Premier League do this and chop and change for the cups. But what you what you usually see in, in the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup is that there are upsets, and a lot of the time it's because that there's been so much change in the team. And I think that was possibly a reason yesterday. Disjointed team means a disjointed performance. I think it's all good and well saying it in hindsight, but it's it's obvious, isn't it? And, you know, you've got big players coming in. I think I said on the video, going forward, we looked okay there. You look at it on paper, Leon Bailey, Danny Ings and Coutinho. Like, it, it should speak for itself, but it, it was the basics that let us down against Stevenage. It was blatantly obvious from the first whistle. I think the their offside goal was, was a warning for us. That they just wanted it more. The basics, they they wanted it more. They had more desire. They came to Villa Park. That the pressure was on us, and they they walked all over us. To be fair, especially to, the way that we lost it, it's absolutely shocking. And, and I'm absolutely sick of it now because it's been what seven or eight years, and I, I just cannot get my head around whether we have who's in charge, whoever's on the pitch. And do you know what? In the Championship, I actually didn't mind whatever we did, like changing the team. But what's the point? What's the point now? We're not going to get relegated. We, we might get Europe, but what's you know? It's not no guarantee. What is the point? It's and again, eight eight days after the Leeds game, you've got Leeds on Friday. It's not like we've got a, got a game midweek. You got Leeds on Friday. And you've got eight days after that. There's your rest. But like you said, do these players even need a rest? I don't, I don't understand it. And I said in the previous podcast already that I would have would have kept Martinez in there. Martinez, who's played one game since he's been back, and I don't get that he needs a rest. I think mentally he's had that rest. He had what two weeks off after the the World Cup final. I, I I just don't understand it. And like you said, cup goalkeepers blows my mind. But again, that that whatever that that team should have been more than strong enough to beat to beat Steven and Jim. I mean, we even knew what the draw was before the game for the next round and it was Stoke away, which would have been quite a favourable tie for Villa. And yet, we then go out with our sub-goalkeeper. We've, so we've got a World Cup winning goalkeeper on the bench. You know, he doesn't need a rest. We're all applauding him and lauding him for winning the World Cup, rightly so. But then we get dumped out at the first hurdle in the FA Cup in a competition that Villa haven't won since 1957. I mean, it just feels absolutely nonsensical to me. And then you've lost the game and as you just said, the season's over practically because Villa aren't going to get relegated. We, we're unlikely to reach Europe in the league. You need to be top six, top seven for that. And so what is it we're playing for now? And it's all because of, as you said, arrogance, stu- stupidity, and just some real dross performances and dross effort from some of the players out there as well. And it's not it's not very often I say that. I don't I don't think I don't think players go out to you know deliberately not play very well. I don't think they don't try a lot of the time. But yesterday, I've got to say, there was there was at times when I was thinking, I don't think you're even trying. There was this arrogant sense of arrogance about us when we were passing it around midfield and sort of passing it up front and not really having a go and getting in the box. It looked like we were sort of being like, oh, we're Aston Villa, that they're Stevenage and eventually the goals will come in this game. We don't heed the warning signs for me either, is that about 10, 15 minutes before um, Dendonka was sent off and they got the penalty, we were passing it out from the back at that point. And at that point, Stevenage had brought on another... Uh, strikers, so they went three up top. Um, they had a lad on who had quite a bit of pace at that point. Some fresh legs up there, 
Villa were tiring at the back. You could see it. And um, there was a there was a few occasions when Olsen's distribution was dreadful. There was one time he passed it to Chambers, and Chambers very almost got caught, and that was lucky. And then there was another two times Olsen put it out for a throw in the one time, and he booted it quite low inside the centre circle the, the, the other time. And that, for me, served as a warning. And then in the 87th minute, you think, OK, well, surely they'll learn from their mistakes now, and Olsen will boot that down the field. And yet, what does he do? He plays at the edge of the area with Tedendonka, and I'm not I'm not saying it was all Olsen's pass. It wasn't. It wasn't a great pass by Olsen, anyway, with with Dendonka under pressure. But then you've then and then obviously Dendonka takes a terrible touch, and obviously what happens after that, he brings the man down, and it's a penalty, and it's rightfully a red card. But I just I just don't get. I just I, I thought the whole performance all all day long was arrogant. You know, Villa should have easily been two, three, four nil up, and if they'd have really tried, it, it would have been that without a shadow of a doubt. It just looked like Villa saw it as an inconvenience, didn't it? Like, oh, why we're we here? You know, we've got a Premier League game on Friday. Like, why we're we here? Like, what was it? Thirty-five thousand people turned up. They paid money to come and watch Villa, and the players on the pitch. Some of them. You know, they don't get a lot of opportunities. Sanson, for example, he was the brightest player on the pitch. Do you want to play a game? Guess when Sanson's last Premier League appearance was for Aston Villa? I think he played one minute in the Cup against Man United, but his last start in the Premier League. Oh, his last start. Oh, I don't even know. Would it, would it have been in like the lockdown season or something like that? It's not quite that bad. It was April 22 against Wolves away when we lost 2-1. Oh, right. Okay. He, he was our, he was our best player yesterday, and like, yeah. don't get me wrong, the goal was brilliant. It's actually a really, really nice goal, ticket sack of football. But that's what we were trying to do all game, like just forcing it. And you, I've got to hold my hands up and say, Stephen, it's fantastic yesterday, really, really yeah, good. They had they five were. at the back, five three two, absolutely brilliant, Stevenage. And they came and they had that momentum from the league. They hadn't lost in like nine games, and they came to Villa Park and they did an absolute job on us. And they were absolutely brilliant. Their fans were exceptional as well, bringing three thousand. They were really, really good. But a player who hasn't played in in nearly a year to 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 run the show in the midfield and look like the only player who was you know willing to run a little bit, put a bit of effort in. And I don't think he was incredible, but compared to everybody else, mate, Sansan. He was good, and that's because he had something to prove. Other players who were having shots from 30 yards four or five times in the game, and it was going into the upper holes, and it's like, oh, can't really be asked to be here. And it's like, we said at the start, I wanted this to be a therapy session, but I've just ended up winding myself up. And I'm not, I don't, I don't want to go hard on any of these players, but like, they deserve it. But they, 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 they're trying to get these opportunities in the cup because they don't play too many league games, but. We threw it away yesterday, and like in in ten years' time, you're going to remember coming eighth in this season. Not not really. Like let's let's have a go. Let's have a go in the cup. And it's mental that it's been this long that countless managers and countless squads of players have just thrown it away at the first hurdle. It's frustrating. I think I think if there's a positive to it, which is a very very small positive to it, but I think there there is some perennial losers within the squad though, and players that haven't got the backbone for a fight and haven't got you know haven't got the quality that we need and I think they they've hung previous managers out to dry if, if you look at it I mean Dean Smith was supposed to be the most likable manager you know Villa have ever had and you saw all the players how how much they apparently loved Dean Smith and yet the, a lot of these players you know didn't didn't perform for him in that five game spell which ended up getting in the sack all right we all know there was there was other issues in play with Gerard tactically and um, and other things, but Emery's Emery's coming. You know, Emery's coming in in October. You don't come in October unless there's a problem with the squad as well. And so Emery's coming, and at least performances like that, and the first half performance against Wolves um, the other night, at least it sort of shows to him 
what some of these players are made of and maybe some of the players that he does need to weed out. And I'm not saying it's all going to happen immediately. It'll happen over a period of time. But And I thought his comments after the game were quite interesting, how he was talking about how the players aren't following his instructions. And he was, he was quite annoyed after the game, you could see. And rightly so. Some of these players haven't got the metal for it. And I think Emery will weed it out of them. Emery's not here for Villa to finish 11th, 12th, 13th. He's not here for that. He's here for us to challenge. He's here for us to challenge for for trophies, for for finishing in, in European positions in the league. I think we said similar things after the the Manchester United game in the League Cup, didn't we? Where he started a, a pretty weak team in that that game as well, and they didn't perform. I mean, do you know what we were okay in that game? But at the end of the day, individual errors threw it away. And again, it's it's a mentality issue, isn't it? It's an absolute mentality issue. And there's players there that that aren't strong enough and don't turn up when they're given their opportunity. And we talk about being a big club and, you know, all this, that and the other, but you need to act like a big club. Big clubs win trophies. We haven't won a trophy for 30 years nearly. That That's mental. And like you said, I was, I was studying the concourse yesterday, seeing we got Stoke away and thinking, right, okay, decent. A couple of the other ties as well. Uh, Man City knocked Chelsea out. They're looking like they might get Arsenal in the next round. Newcastle are out. Liverpool or Wolves might play Brighton. So, there's decent sides going out there. So it's not like we can blame the path now. We can't blame the path. We can't say, oh, we've got Man United. We've got, we got Liverpool. We've got Man City. No, we've been given our opportunity. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that night, if you look back to the League Cup game against Man United, when we, we played well that night, and as you say, we threw it away through individual errors, mainly from, I hate to say, it sounds like I'm really on his back, but from Olsen, the goalkeeper again. Um, and yet you look at that competition and in the next round, Man United had Burnley at home. Um, so, so Villa would have had Burnley at home in the uh, what would that have been then the quarters I think yeah the yeah the quarters whatever so Villa would have had a really good chance to have, to have been in say a semi of the League Cup and we got we would have had Stoke in the next round of the FA Cup and then you talk about a fifth round of the FA Cup and yet because of let's be honest defensive and goalkeeping basic basic errors we now find ourselves dumped out in the League Cup fourth round okay against Man United but that night we played quite well and we should have beat Man United. Um, and then yesterday against Stevenage and you look at it and you think what another wasted year for Aston Villa and I think Villa fans do get annoyed because Cups are cups are big to us because as you just said we talk, we talk the talk about being a big club and the, and, and the club really the club really promotes it as well we're a massive club we've won the European Cup however many years ago in 1982 and you know Villa are a really big club won the, we've won the league championship seven times the FA Cup numerous times the League Cup etc but the fact is that we haven't won a trophy since 1996. And yet, we've got clubs out there. People like Portsmouth, Blues, Wigan. They've all won trophies after we did in recent years. And it's like, why can't we ever, ever, either A, give it, a, give it a real good go to have a good run, or B, get to a final and actually perform in a final? I just find it so, so frustrating. Um, and, I, you know, as you just said, we can't use that excuse this year. We always get a Man United or a Man City because... We've got Stevenage this time, a League Two side, and yet here we are, dumped out the competition again at the first hurdle. It's it's really not not good enough. Like the 2013 League Cup as well. Swansea won it last year. That was our chance. That was our chance yeah. as well. So how, how long has this been going on? 2013, we lost to Bradford in the semi-finals, and Swansea battered them five 0 in the final. What could have been? It's not even in recent history though. You go back to all all them years ago to 2000. And... I think it was 2003 when David O'Leary was our manager. And I remember I was quite young then, and I was I wasn't that I was only a few years into going to Villa. And yet I remember we had um, we had Bolton in the semi final, um, 
and we absolutely collapsed away in the semi-final of the League Cup. Two-legged affair. We absolutely collapsed at Bournemouth. We were 3-0 down in 15 minutes, typical Villa fashion. JJ Okocha ripped us apart. Um, we pulled it back to 3-2. And you thought, oh, here we go. Then here we go. Villa back in it. And then somehow we ended up losing that game 5-2. And then we come back in the second leg. And yeah, we win 2-0 that night. But we didn't do enough to get through. And then what happened was Bolton get through to the final. And they played Middlesbrough in the final. Middlesbrough, who... Weren't great then. And Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough won, the, won, won the League Cup that year. And you just think, like, this has been a symptom for Villa for years, ever since we won the last um, League Cup in 1996. We've just we've done this every single every single time, apart from the odd time. We got to the final in 2000 and again didn't turn up. We got to the final in 20, uh, 2015 against Arsenal, didn't turn up. It's so frustrating. It's just, it's so frustrating, especially when you can see the chances in front of you. and I, I genuinely believe we'll be kicking ourselves because this year was a chance. And as you say, I think the path was going to open up with uh, some big games in the pipeline. If Arsenal win against Oxford tonight, they'll be playing Man City, for instance. And the same in the League Cup. Even that route, there's been big clubs uh, knocked out already. And so Villa will be kicking themselves this season within the, in the two cup competitions, absolutely. And I think a goal that just sums up everything we've talked about is the second goal against Stevenage. It's, it's absolutely mental. You can see the... 88th minute penalty, which was a poor goal in itself. Who's there grabbing the players and saying, right, lads, don't don't concede now. We'll take it to a replay. Not ideal, but it's got to be done. We'll take it to a replay. We'll brush this, this one off and we'll beat them at their place. Who's who's grabbing them? You look at the players on the pitch there. Asher Young's probably your leader. Nowhere to mm. be seen. And that second goal is horrific. Absolutely horrific. And you can see it unfolding in front of you. Why, why is Stevenage coming to our place and looking up for it and you know, that, that goal absolutely sums it up. And I, I don't want to dig out players again, but Watkins just on the front yeah. post, like slowly jogging out to the player with the ball. It's like, yeah. he's only come on 15 minutes before that. He should be absolutely busting the gut to close him down. But it's just like, oh, I can't really be asked. It's Stevenage. It was a token effort. It was the bare minimum, wasn't it? And then the shot comes in. It seems like it goes like under Olsen. He's beating at his near post and it's, it's basics, and it's what I said to you. It's what I said to you in the last couple of weeks. Is that he's all right, Olsen, as long as you don't, as long as we don't have any shots on our goal. He looks like he's going to concede every time the opposition shoots. And people will talk about how he kept a clean sheet at Tottenham. He didn't have to do anything. Exactly. The reality is our defense worked so hard that game. He didn't have to make a save. But the worry for me is that he just doesn't ever look like making a save. And do you know what's really funny for me is that. All over the years, when I remember we had like Nyland in goal, for instance, um, and other goalkeepers before that, Brad Guzan's another one. When they, when people always say, "Oh, he's a really good shot stopper," and I always used to say, "Yeah, but that's the bare minimum you should expect of a goalkeeper. Yeah. They should all be a good shot stopper because you shouldn't be a goalkeeper." Robin Olsen, he's not even a good shot stopper, and so you just wonder, like, <laughs> how is he a goalkeeper? I'm really, I'm really tr- trying not to dig him out too much. I'm not. It's hard. It's hard. It though, is. Isn't it? it is. I see, I, he sounds like he's public enemy number one for me. Also, I know he does, and I feel sorry for him in a way. But I just wouldn't. I just wonder how this bloke played for Roma, how he's Sweden's number one, and I really wonder how he's ended up playing in the Premier League for 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 Villa. And and I know he's number two, and I know he's not never going to be as good as your number one. I get that, but they've got to be semi competent, surely. Mm. He was on loan at Sheffield United in a side that was struggling in the Championship. They didn't exactly put up a fight to keep him when Villa came calling. And I mean, they warned us, you know. I saw exactly. Sheffield United fans, they were warning us about Olsen. Exactly. Why would you sign players that aren't better than what you've currently got? And and when I say that, I know he's backup and I know he was never going to be better than Martins, of course. But he but he's no better than the other backups we had there. He's he's no he was he was no better than like Nyland, for instance. 
absolutely nowhere near nowhere near as good as Nyland. And we all know we all know what Nyland was as well. I just look back at like Gerard's the the Gerard era of signings, and apart from Kamara, who's outstanding, who else is there? There's absolutely no everyone else has been even like Bednarek again. Bednarek, he's no better than what we already had. Chambers, he's struggling at the moment because he hasn't had game time. But you look at him and you think, will he be a part of Emery's plans going forward? And you have to say probably not. And I just look back at every one of Gerard's signings, apart from Kamara. And I just think, God, we wasted a year, didn't we? I get that you've got to sign players for the squad, but I don't think it's, you should sign players that you know are going to sit on the bench. I think you should sign players that you think, oh, you know, he, he could beat ex-player in their starting 11 spot he could challenge him like what we're doing at the moment I like the signing of I don't know anything about him I'm not going to pretend to know anything about him but Alex Moreno the left back coming in from Real Betis who when some people are listening to this he might have already signed but you know he's not gonna you don't think oh he's just gonna sit on the bench I mean I'm not gonna say I know anything about him but you'd think he's gonna challenge Luca Dean who struggled so I like that sign players who are gonna challenge and you know you're signing you need to a 25-man squad of starters. You don't just want to start an 11 and then some lads on the bench who just play during the FA Cup games or the League Cup games. I think you've got to have players who are starting and that, that comes to recruitment and that, that's been, say what you want about that, whenever something goes wrong, people seem to blame the recruitment. But it's, mm. it's right though, isn't it? And I think that's, I mean, it started well under Emery with the players that we're linked with and the lad coming in, but I don't know, mate. Where do we go from here? Do you want to play a game anyway? Have you got anything else to say? No, no, not at all. Just no, no, let's let's play a game. Let's take our minds off Stevens or something, yeah. All right, let's enjoy ourselves. So, this game, guess the year. Now, this is a calendar year that I'm after. I've got five clues. I don't want a season. Reminder, I want the calendar year. So, five clues. Um, people, play along at home. Uh, so, number one, what year was this? Stephen Warnock signed for Aston Villa and out of the last 16 games in all competitions at the end of the season, we only won two. Now, don't answer now. We'll do the results at the end of the five questions, but have a little think on that. Are you looking for the year he signed or, or the, year that it em- uh, the year that it ended? The year that it happened. Stephen Warnock signed for Aston Villa and out of the last 16 games in all competitions at the end of the season, we only won two. So all of those events happened in one year. What was the year? Number two. I like this one. Aston Villa finished 16th with 42 points, but were the last team to lose a Premier League game at the start of the following season. And you get a bonus point as well if you uh, if you can name the game. That'd be really hard. I bet someone will get it. You'll probably get it. I don't think I will. <laughs> Aston Villa finished 16th with 42 points, but were the last team to lose a Premier League game at the start of the following season. Number three. Jordan Barry leaves Aston Villa for Rotherham for £250,000, and Villa won three of their first four Premier League games. Mm. Okay. Number four. Aston Villa wear a shirt sponsored by Genting Casinos for the first time, and Monday, Tuesday, Habib Bay were sent out on loan to Doncaster Rovers. Yeah, got it. Oh, get you. <laughs> Last one, number five. Jonathan Codger, Villa legend, officially leaves Aston Villa and Fulham knocked us out of the FA Cup. Okay, got it. Ready for answers? I think so, yeah. Number one, the Stephen Warnock one. Uh, Stephen Warnock signed for Aston Villa and out of the last 16 games in all competitions, uh, we only won two. Go for it. What are you saying? Is it 2009? 2009 is correct. And it's wild, you know, because we won the last two. Well, we won two out of the last 16. But prior to that, we won eight out of 11. That season, we should have got top four. We should have. And it was, that was Martin O'Neill's last season. And um, yeah, that, it was his, actually his best season. It didn't feel like it, actually. Mm. Towards the end, it felt like... Because we like, I remember we lost to Chelsea 7-1 or something. And 
that was you you could feel something was happening with O'Neill at that time. And I think he had fallen out with Randy Lerner and stuff. But um in terms of points, that was that was that was his best season at Villa and obviously he took us to the League Cup final and the FA Cup semi final that year as well. And so it ended on quite a sour note in the end really and I don't think that run that don't think that run sort of helped matters either. No, I think we were nine or ten points off the top four and it was obviously the year that he played the kids a reserve side out in Moscow. Yeah. What could have been eh? Aston Villa finished sixteenth with forty two points, but were the last team to lose a Premier League game at the start of the following season. What year was that? Was it 2006? It was 2006. Go on, have, have a stab at the game that we lost. So I think, how, how many games? I can't remember, but it, we, it was in October, our first loss in 2006. Have a guess where it was. Oh, I don't know. I remember I remember odd games from that season. I remember, <laughs> I remember that little run at the start of the season. I remember drawing away at Chelsea 1-1 um, and Gabby scored, but I don't know which game we lost. Was it like Spurs or Bolton or something like that? It was at Anfield. We lost 3-1 at Anfield in oh, October okay. 2006. What a record. I never knew that. Last team to lose a Premier League game in uh, two thousand six, two thousand seven. It was yeah, it was the start of it was the start of O'Neill's uh, reign at yeah, Villa, yeah. wasn't it? And we, we went to the Emirates on the on the first game at the Emirates Stadium. We drew. We beat Reading. And, yeah, we had a we had a great start to that season. But then that was another season where we had like a terrible middle of the season. There we didn't win for like sixteen matches or something ridiculous. It was a it was a season where we drew loads. There we drew like thirteen or fourteen matches or something crazy. What we're finding out is that we're a club with habits, aren't we? We're never good in the cups, and we love a streaky run, don't we? We love a streaky <laughs> we do. run. Inconsistencies. Yeah. Number three, Jordan Barry leaves Aston Villa for Rotherham for two hundred and fifty grand, and Villa won three out of their opening four Premier League games. What are you saying? 2014. 2014. Bonus point, right? What was the opening game that season? 14-15. Oh, go on, you know this. Was it... Um... Was it Stoke away? It was Stoke away. We won 1-0. Who scored? Andy Vyman. Andy Vyman. I was there. It was the game when... I always remember this. Quite funny, actually. It was a game when Ron Vlaar and Philip Senderos first started a game together at the back, and Ooh. they were absolutely immense, and everyone <laughs> came out of it thinking like they were new, like the new Paul McGrath and Sean Teal or Gareth Southgate and Hugo Ekiak, and then it ended up that Vlaar was injured most of the time, so was Senderos. Senderos was like made of glass. He only played about seven games in total his whole Villa career but all I remember he was brilliant for the first few games so there, there we go right number four Aston Villa wear a shirt sponsored by Genting Casinos for the first time and Habib Bay was sent out on loan by Don, uh, to Doncaster Rovers 2011 2011 that was uh, my first game my, my first shirt I'd get, well it didn't didn't have Genting Casinos on because it was betting but that was my first uh, game that season yeah. Habib Bay was officially released in February 2012 after his contract was terminated Habib Bay god he was a terrible signing wasn't he when you talk about when you talk about ter- we were just talking about an awful fallback signing in Augustinson but I think we just trumped it there by reminding ourselves that we bought Habib Bay for about 3 or 4 million why do we just sign absolutely random people do you know what though do you know what, do you know what though? the Villa curse comes in again there though because the season before he'd won player of the season for Newcastle and then he came to Villa I mean, to be fair, he didn't play a lot, but he came to Villa, and when he did play, he looked like he had never kicked a football in his entire life. Yeah, it's the Villa curse, isn't it, mate? It just is. It is. Number five, Jonathan Codger officially leaves Aston Villa and Fulham and knocked us out of the FA Cup. This was in 2020, wasn't it? It was indeed. And Jonathan Codger, well, we lost to Fulham. I think it was 2-1. They scored a couple of absolute wonder goals. Jonathan Codger was actually um, 
involved in our goal. Do you know who the goal scorer was for Villa that day? I do. I remember the goal well. Al Ghazi nicks it off Kaja, didn't he? Kaja sort of like lobbed the keeper, didn't he? And then like Al Ghazi sort of robbed it on on the line off the line, you know, so he could claim the goal. I've got the team up from that day away at Fulham. It's apps. It's it's full of randoms, you know. It's kind of that weird mix between the couple of championship players and then that weird period where we signed yeah. about five hundred players at the start of that Premier League era. So Nyland was in goal. El Mahamadi, Engels, Chester, Taylor, and then this midfield's a bit weird. Henry Lansbury, Nakamba, and Horahan. Then going forward, number 23, Hutter, whatever. Hasn't he retired from football now? I swear he's retired. Yeah, he's retired. He retired like the age of like 31 or something, didn't he? Do you know when he... Oh, do you remember when we played Walsall in um, the pre-season? He looked absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, he looked incredible. He looked like Messi or like Greenish or something, didn't he? Everyone was like, here we go, we found it. We found the missing formula. And he's the £1 million man from Blues. That we... And he really wasn't, was he? he could... The problem was with Hutter. He, had... he literally couldn't move, could he? He was all right if you hung him on like, on, like the touchline, hugging the touchline. Remember against, like, remember against Everton in that first game when he yeah, he played the ball through to like Wesley, didn't he? But it was only because he couldn't move. Though. The only thing he could do was just pass the ball. He couldn't run. It's not, it's not <laughs> ideal for a winger, is it, when they can't move? And then Codger and El Ghazi what a period that was but yeah that's the end of the quiz let us know what you got um, you got 5 out of 5 SI I think you did shock yeah I've got a weird if anyone doesn't know I've got a weird sort of a weird sort of brain when it comes to Villa trivia I'm just I'm full of absolutely useless Villa knowledge about usually random players or players that didn't even know played for Villa or players that played once for Villa or probably didn't, didn't even play for Villa but signed for us and so yeah, if anyone wants any random sort of villa knowledge, hit me up. I'm, I'm your man. Go and check out the wiki quizzes on YouTube. That absolutely sums it up. Who, who's? Oh, you've got loads of random shirts, haven't you? Who, who's yeah. your favourite random shirt that you've got? Because I've got a couple in mind that are absolutely incredible. And people mention them to you, like on away games, don't they? When you see when people see you in these random yeah. shirts, I think there's three random ones for me, and but the random for different reasons. I would have thought so. I've got I've got a Luke Nealis shirt from season 2000-2001, the home shirt, and it's a bit random because he only played like three times for Villa, but he was he was an incredible footballer, and if he had have stayed injury free, I mean he had that terrible broken leg, but if he'd have stayed injury free, he would have been a, 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 like a cult hero at Villa Park. He was brilliant ahead of ahead of anybody else on the football pitch. So that's number one for me, um, and then my other two. These are really sort of random. Obviously, I've got my Bosco Balaban one. Um, <laughs> who doesn't love a bit of Bosco Balaban? Absolute myth of a player. I mean, we signed him for like six million, which is quite a lot of money back then. I mean, I don't know who was doing the skating back then, but the bloke couldn't hit a barn door. Um, you know, again, he looked like he couldn't play football. But then I say that he then went to Club Bruges after that, though, and he was playing in the Champions League for Club Bruges. And scoring goals, I'll, I'll add as well. So imagine Ali Samata playing the Champions League for Club Bruges. Like we, I don't know whether it was Club Bruges, but come on, Bel- Belgium. They've got something weird in the water in Belgium. Yeah, but he was scoring goals for them in the, in the Champions League as well. They wasn't just playing, and so maybe it was that Villa Kersinger. And then the definitely the most random one is my uh, Gilles De Builder away away two thousand two thousand one shirt. That's the one um, Gilles De Builder again. He was signed on loan from Sheffield Wednesday when Villa had a bit of a a striking crisis I think I think he only played about six times and he didn't score your head's like a catalogue isn't it an absolute catalogue of random <laughs> villain is. knowledge right should we t- quick word on Leeds then keep it nice and brief uh, I don't even know anymore I mean obviously your big names will come back in it'll be a much stronger team Martinez will come in and stuff but I don't know with Leeds. You can never really tell, can you? I think that they've been going through a bit of a sticky patch. I think they were quite close to sacking March, weren't they? But they've picked up a little bit, got a couple of decent results, keeping themselves within touching distance of the, the relegation zone. But I, I don't know with Leeds. And it was such a wacky game last season, wasn't it, at Villa Park when we were 3-1 up and uh, managed not to win that game. But 
Ramsey might come back and hopefully if he's back he can start because I think we need him especially with John McGinn being out but what do, what do you reckon on Friday night then under the lights as everybody loves to say well I'm hoping McGinn's back yeah and he had um, he wasn't he hasn't like tore in his hamstring or or they haven't even said he's pulled his hamstring he just had a bit of a tweak and so you're hoping with the two games rest McGinn might be back um, as you say if not Ramsey should come in obviously the team will be a lot different I think the one the one thing for me is that which teams can be guilty of sometimes is that you don't want to get into a basketball match with Leeds, though, because they like to play open, don't they? They're a very mm. open sort of team, and they don't they don't defend well, and they quite like it if they if you really really bring the game to them and attack, 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 and sort of leave your defense wide open because that's where Leeds thrive as well. You don't want to do that. That's what we did last season at home, um, and I remember it's what we did if you remember back in like lockdown when do you remember they beat us three 0 at Villa Ooh, Park. That, that was awful. It was like that that day though. We were trying to sort of attack too much, and we left so, so many gaps behind and. That's what Leeds like to do. And so I hope Emery's got, which I think he will have, but I hope he's got a, a tactical plan to deal with that because um, I think that's Leeds' biggest danger sort of thing on, on that sort of counter-attack when you've opened yourself up a little bit too much. I expect a reaction from the players. Um, obviously, the the big guns will be back in. The likes of Mings will be back and hopefully McGee and Martinez. I'd, I'd, hope, I'd hope that we will come out all guns firing and we, and we pick up a win because we should be. There's no doubt about it, we should be. While we, while we say it's a tough game, Leeds are in the battle to stay up this season in the Premier League as they have been for the last couple. If we've got any aspirations of finishing top half, top eight, top nine, whatever, top ten, we need to be beating teams like Leeds at Villa Park. Simple as that. Yeah, I'm just looking at the table here. It's quite it's quite strange, isn't it? I mean, we've always said it was quite close. Um, we've got Crystal Palace behind us who have got a game in hand, the same amount of points, and there's a five-point gap down to Leicester. So I think if you can string like a couple of results together, we've got Leeds on Friday and then Southampton, which you'd like to think rooted to the bottom of the league we should be getting a result there but then Chelsea got a game in hand above us but the likes of Brentford Brighton Fulham just keep winning don't they that, that's yeah just got to keep it with those guys but yeah should be winning on Friday night mate should be a lively one looking forward to it give us your score prediction because I'm not sure I'll see you on Friday so what are you thinking I'll go for a Villa win I can see it being a high scoring game because of how Leeds are but let's go for a 3-2 Villa I would take that indeed mate only Villa could go from one Sunday winning in Tottenham's back garden to losing at home to Stevenage but that's why we love it we love the roller coaster thank you very much for listening to this podcast it's very much appreciated keep smashing the support that is also very much appreciated leave a review go and subscribe to Villa on Saw on YouTube to see uh, what we get up to on Friday night and then obviously Southampton the following week as well can't wait for the next away day going to be a good one thank you very much for listening and up the villa